So tonight I want to talk about prayer, and I, I love the picture that we've seen even tonight of what prayer um, is in, in, in our midst. Um, prayer, this, this dynamic um, communication with God. Um, I, I believe prayer is one of the things in the church that when we start talking about it, people often start falling asleep because we really don't know uh, what it's about, or maybe we, we've encountered it in a way that isn't dynamic, isn't exciting, isn't um, full of, um, of surprise and adventure. But I believe prayer is supposed to be that way. And so here at the Light Church, we, we um, are in pursuit of prayer together. Um, prayer that would be not, not just a, a program, something we, we set aside a little bit of time for, and we, we come together and hold hands and, and say a few things. That's what prayer was like for me growing up in the church. I remember Wednesday night prayer meeting, and for me that meant um, it was going to be a long night. <laughs> and it was, it, was a, it was the whole bunch of people in a circle holding hands, and it was basically running through a list of, of things um, that we needed, it was like a grocery list, you know, pray for so-and-so, we don't even know who so-and-so is, but we're praying for them, and does anybody know who so-and-so is? I I guess not, apparently, but they made it on the list somehow, so we're praying for them, and we would just kind of go through this that way, and as a kid, it was painful. I mean, granted, you know, part of that's just like, I didn't know half of what was going on, but I think another part of it, I got this impression. One of the things I got in prayer in that environment was this impression that, man, we do a lot of talking, but it doesn't seem like God really ever talks back. I'm like, maybe he's listening, but if he is, you couldn't tell because it never seems like we hear back from him. So once we finish our list, the prayer meeting is over. And I think that that sort of picture or model for prayer is often um, what it's been like in the church. And so no wonder we, we don't really get excited about prayer. We want to do it. Tonight, I, I want to say I'm not teaching so much on how to pray. Um, I actually think prayer is pretty simple in terms of the how-to. But what I want to teach on tonight is um, the basis for our prayer being this dynamic thing with God. And I believe that prayer is meant to be dynamic with God. And so we talk about here the value of passionate prayer. That is, that prayer would not just be a program that we set aside time for. And if you notice, we don't really have a designated prayer time. And whenever we've tried to do that, it hasn't lasted very long. And it hasn't been very uh, successful, if you will. But instead, we have this desire here that prayer would be the passionate overflow of life with God and life with each other. And so where there's a moment of need, prayer would show up. Where there's a moment um, where um, you realize, I need God's input, prayer would be the way that you access that. Where there's a moment um, where you just recognize God is in your midst, that you would, um, you would connect with him and say, God, what are you saying right now? What do you want us to know? What, what do we need to be listening for? And so that would be the picture of what prayer is like in this family. I believe that um, if, if that becomes the way we pray, wow, prayer will, one, it will happen more often, and two, it will be exciting. And I believe that God wants our prayer to be this dynamic communication with him. And so I want to talk about two things tonight related to um, prayer that I believe will lead to prayer being this passionate overflow of life with God. 
rather than this um, chore that we have to participate in that we actually feel like we are doing to earn God's blessing or his love or his favor. If prayer is motivated by those things, I believe that it will never lead to what it's meant to be. So I want to talk about two, um, two very key uh, foundational things related to prayer, and, and it's actually related to relationship. With God, Because prayer, if we don't have relationship, then prayer can't ever be what it's supposed to be. So we talk about that church is meant to be relationship with God, that, that the gospel is about relationship with God. It's not religion. But what is the dynamic, what is the nature of that relationship? So I want to talk about two very specific pictures of relationship with God that give us a basis for what prayer um, can be like with him. So I hope this is um, encouraging and exciting for you all. So um, the first place I want to go, um, I want to go to John 5. Okay, so if you would go there with me, we'll go to John 5 together. And um, before, I, before I read this passage, um, I, I was having a conversation with my brother, my youngest brother. He's a few years younger than me, and he lives in... Um, middle of the woods, Louisiana. So as you can imagine, it's, it's hard to, life is uh, a lot different there. Interesting place. Um, and he called me one day uh, recently and we, we started having a conversation about communication with God. And he said, you know, I, I've been really wrestling with this, um, this idea. And I had this thought a while back. He said, you know, I had this thought that um, maybe I should be expecting more from God. Maybe I should, uh, whether it's the time in the word or time in prayer, I should be expecting more from God. That, I, that maybe I need to um, raise my expectation for what he wants to do and what he wants to say and how he wants to interact with me. Anybody ever have that feeling? Anybody ever have that thought? Like, I, 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 wanna, I want my expectations to be uh, raised. And then, okay. I don't know how that worked out for you, but basically what he told me is then a couple weeks went by and it was basically like he was right back where he was before he ever had that thought. He actually felt even a little bit more discouraged than he was before he had that thought because he thought it might be possible. And then he began to take some steps in that and it didn't seem to turn out the way that he hoped. And, and in the process, he sort of began to explain why that would be. Well, maybe God's doing this or maybe he's doing that. And so um, he came back and, you know, he said, well, maybe, maybe God's just not wanting to really speak that way. And so there we were having this conversation. I said, you know, it's interesting that you had that thought. And my question to him was, where did that thought come from? Where did that thought come from? If you ever had that thought, my question is, where did that thought come from? See, because if it came from you and it was just your imagination, you coming up with something, then it may not actually have much potential to lead to something powerful or fruitful in your life. Like if it was just you thinking, okay, maybe God wants to speak this way, and God's thinking something completely different, then it's probably not going to go the way you think. Does that make sense? But if that thought came from God, wow, that might actually change things. And so I asked him, where do you think that thought came from? And I'm asking that here tonight. Where, where would the thought come from that maybe actually that we, we, we know a God who is good enough, who's generous enough, 
who's loving enough that he would actually want to speak to you and me. And that not just speak to us like once in a blue moon, but actually speak to us on a regular basis and reveal to us what he's like. And in speaking to us, reveal to us how he's made us. What if we have a God like that? Wouldn't that change things? Wouldn't that change this thing we talk about called prayer? Well, guess what? All right, I'm going to break. Break. I'm going to give you guys a little secret. Hopefully it's not a secret. But if it is, it's going to be a really exciting one that I'm going to let you in on tonight. You know what I'm going to say? See, I believe that thought is from him. And I believe he is like that. And I believe there's an invitation and he's waiting for our expectations to be raised. Because actually the church, we've struggled with this. And in doing so, we've told other people based on our experience or lack thereof that, you know what, you're going to struggle with it too. And it's just going to be that way. We're going to all be miserable together. And we're going to lower the bar because we can't have someone up here if we're down here. Because that makes us uncomfortable. That makes us wonder, what am I doing wrong? Are you with me? So, I'm letting you in on the secret. I believe God is like that. I believe God is inviting us into a relationship with him that is that close. And I want to talk to you where I see that in Scripture. Because if it's not in here, then it really doesn't matter if I believe that he's like that. He hasn't showed us that he's like that, then what is it based on? Again, it might as well be based on our imagination. So, go with me to John 5. And I want to read this part in John 5. And this is Jesus, and he's talking to the people around him. He's been doing ministry for a while, and he's been doing some in- incredible and exciting things. It says that when Jesus came, that there was, um, there was this authority behind his words that people hadn't heard before, that people hadn't seen before. And so they began to take notice, and they said, something about what you're saying. We've heard a lot of the things you're saying before, but something about it is different. There's, there's a power behind your words. There's an authority behind your words. There's, there's, when you say something, something happens. That's what they said about Jesus and his ministry. And, and what made that actually more, um, even more so uh, powerful and impactful is that um, he wasn't just saying stuff. He was doing stuff. So he didn't just say, hey, um, God loves you. But then he revealed it through his life. So his words lined up with his life. So then Jesus comes to this place, and it's this moment where he tells us um, how it is that he's doing these things and where these thoughts and ideas are coming from and the authority that's behind his words, where that authority is coming from. This is what he says about the nature of his relationship with God. Verse 19. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. You see the connection there? Verse 20. Here's here's why. It's because the Father loves the Son. And he shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than than these so that you will be amazed. He's talking about himself in kind of third person. It's a little weird. 
For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So Jesus, you know, he says words like this, um, seemingly on repeat in the book of John. If you read the book of John, you hear this, and it almost sounds like a riddle, and he just keeps repeating the parts of it. And it's like, okay, we heard this before, Jesus. But he's reiterating this thing. He says, there's this dynamic of relationship that I have with God And I want you to know what it's like because I want you to know the basis for everything that I do. The basis for everything that I do is that I know my father and my father knows me and I am his son. And as the son, this is what he says about what the dynamic of this father-son relationship is like. He says the father loves the son and because he loves the son, um, the the. That's proven in that he shows him all that he does. Do you hear this thread of open communication? The father revealing things to the son, whispering things to the son, inviting him in to things. It's this amazing picture. And Jesus says, nothing that I do comes any other way. Are you with me? Do you see it? The intimacy of this relationship? It's one based on love and out of the overflow of love. The Father says, I'm, I'm going to speak everything that you need to know. And Jesus, he talks about this, the word of God being his food. It's a weird story. The disciples go off to get some sandwiches, and Jesus is sitting there, and, and they come back, and they're like, Jesus, um, are, are you hungry? Why, why don't you eat your sandwich? And he says, he says guys, I've got, got a sermon for you. <laughs> I want to tell you something right now. And they, oh, here he goes again. He's always doing this. He turns lunch into a sermon, and he says, I have food that you don't know anything about you talking about well why'd you ask us to go get sandwiches he says my food is to do the will of the father so jesus feasted off of what the father said and and the father in speaking to the son invited him into being a part of that and so everything that jesus did that's why he had authority behind his words because his words weren't his own they were his father's And everything he heard from the Father, he spoke. And everything the Father told him to do, he did. Now, I know what you might be thinking now. So, how is this a precedent for us? Like, this is Jesus, right? So, we always say, well, that was Jesus. You know, I'm not Jesus, am I? Well, is Jesus in you? What made Jesus qualified to hear from the Father? What made Jesus able to hear everything the Father said? What made Jesus qualified to know what the Father was doing and to participate in it, join him in it in such a way that everything he did was from the Father? What qualified him? I I don't know. It's rhetorical a little bit. Think about it. 
What qualified Jesus to hear from the Father? Any guesses? I'm curious. Anybody want to take a guess tonight? You cheated. Did you look at my notes? Come on. I didn't plant that, by the way. (laughs) All right, when no one says anything, Cynthia, you're going to say, he's a son. (laughs) Boom. That's what qualified him. And that's why he says, I, I, I know the Father and the Father knows me. And so the Father, because he knows me, he speaks to me. And, and because I'm his son, I do what he says. The qualification for hearing from God. This is number one in, in, in seeing passionate prayer show up in your life. It's knowing that the qualification for you hearing from God is being his son or his daughter. That was the qualification for Jesus. So when you make the argument, well, that was Jesus and I'm just me. Well, who are you to God? Who are you to God? Because if you can answer that one and the answer is you're a son or a daughter, then boom, you have the same answer. You're qualified to hear from him. Is that who you are? See, the gospel... In the gospel, Jesus came. Jesus came so that we would know him. It says eternal life is to know him. And in knowing Jesus, guess who we get to know? We get to know the Father. Hebrews, I love the book of Hebrews. It used to be the most confusing book to me. Now it's just hard to find in my Bible, but I, I really like it. <laughs> Um, the book of Hebrews is all about how amazing Jesus is. So if, you're, if you feel like, I need a, a fresh perspective on how amazing Jesus is, read the book of Hebrews. But the book of Hebrews tells us this about Jesus. It says that he is, uh, the Son is the radiance of God's glory, and he is the exact representation of his being. Meaning, if you see Jesus, you see the Father. And if you know Jesus, then you know the Father. And if eternal life is to know the one he sent, then in knowing Jesus, you are getting a glimpse into what the Father is like. Wow. They're, they're, they're not different. Jesus came to reveal what the Father was like. And then it says this about uh, what Jesus accomplished in, in Hebrews 2. It says, it says um, in verse 9, But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. That's what he did on our behalf. And in doing so, this is what we get in return. It says, verse 10, In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, what did God accomplish through the Son? He accomplished a family. Many sons and daughters coming into that family. It says, In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy, that's Jesus, and those who are made holy, that would be us, are what? Of the same family. Of the same family. So he's saying you're a part of the lineage of God in Jesus. 
And this is what Jesus thinks about you now. It says, so Jesus is not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed like a big brother or a big sister, okay? Some of your, your siblings, older siblings, you ever had that moment where you went to go hang out with them and their friends and, and they said, oh yeah, that's, just my, that's my kid brother. I don't know what he's doing here. Hold on, I'll take care of this. Get back to the house. What are you doing? Get, my friends, you're embarrassing me. That happened to me a few times. So it's very vivid. I remember on the tennis court, my sister playing tennis and like, no, you cannot play tennis. Get off the court. You're ruining. I have three friends, okay? We have just enough for doubles. <laughs> you can't come and play with us. Anyway, okay, I'm off track here. But Jesus is not that sibling, okay? Here's the picture. Reverse. Now reverse it. Jesus, he says, I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed to call you my brother and my sister. That's what he says. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Wow. And in fact, he so wanted you to be a a, a son and a daughter of God that he came down and he walked in our humanity and he suffered on our behalf so that we could enter into the family and so that we could have the privileges of this family. I would say that one of the core privileges of being a part of the family of God, if not the core privilege, is we get to interact with God. We get to hear from him. We get to know him, and he gets to know us. What kind of family would it be if here we are, sons and daughters, but we don't know it? And because we don't know it, we don't know our father. And we don't know what he's like. And we don't have communication with him. Steve's on the truth. My teacher used to say that. All right. Um, Actually, bless you. Um, but that's what we have. And so this thing called sonship, this thing is what qualifies you. And so I was talking to my brother and I tell him, I said, look, look, if that thought was from you, well, you can kind of move on. But if that was thought was from God and I want you to know it was from God. Then you have actually a reason for raising your expectations. You have a reason for being excited about what you've been afforded now in Jesus. And guess what? Jesus sets the precedent now for what it means to be a son and daughter. Because that's what he was. And I want to say that Jesus' life, when we look at it, he reveals to us not what it looks like for God to just strut around the earth. But it reveals to us what it's like for God to step outside of his humanity and take on, step outside of his divinity and take on our humanity and to walk in full dependence of the Father. And in that, he sets a precedent for you and me, something we can actually do, something we can walk in. Something amazing and exciting and something that we're supposed to be passionate about. Sonship is what qualifies you to hear from God. So if you've been coming to God with all these different um, reasons why you can't hear from him, actually those thoughts, man, the enemy would just love to feed you lies that way. If you come to God and you're like, I don't feel qualified to be here. I don't even know why I'm, I'm, I'm here waiting for something from you because it doesn't seem likely. I want you to just turn that upside down and say, why am I here? Why am I qualified in this moment to expect that, God, you would want to speak to me? And, and let Jesus answer that question for you. 
It's because of what he's done and ultimately now who you are in God. And so now all of a sudden the expectation should be different. The expectation should be that, God, wherever I am, because you're with me, I can hear from you. Wherever I am, because you're a loving father and you want to speak to me, I should be expecting that you can speak around any corner. Um, There's one more picture here. I don't know where we are in time, but... um, I'm not going to get through all this. Okay, so what else is new? Um, we'll see. Maybe maybe we'll just continue next week. All right. um, I want to I show this picture because this is, this is a picture related to this, out of the understanding of this relationship. You know, Jesus, when he teaches his disciples to pray in Matthew, um, Matthew 6, what does he tell them? The first thing he says, pray, our Father. See, before they even knew who they were in God, before they knew the qualification that would be theirs in Jesus, Jesus is preparing them. He says, um, begin to pray this way. I know it's going to feel uncomfortable. I know it's going to be weird to you. You've never said these words before in, in referring to God, but I want you to just try it because this is how I pray. And you want to know that they were looking at how Jesus prayed and they said, there's something about it that we don't have. Jesus, what is it? Sorry, right, I'm going to give you... It's not the Lord's Prayer. It's the disciples' prayer, really. But in that, he gives them a glimpse into how he prayed. And he said, you want to you pray like I pray? Pray, our Father. Our Father. That's who he is. And then he goes on to say, he, he goes on to say this, and it's connected to prayer and life with God and knowing who he is. And he says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, uh, what, what um, tomorrow's going to bring. Why? Because your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask. So he just told them, pray, um, give us this day our daily bread. But, but then he says, your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask. And it's as if to say the, the basics are important, but God knows the basics. And so you can ask him for those things. But when you ask them, move on. Move on. Don't repeat the basics over and over again. And that's where a lot of us find ourselves with prayer. Prayer is not dynamic and exciting because we're just actually, we're, we're not praying, we're worrying to God. And God is saying, I want to free you up to actually experience prayer the way it's meant to be. Experience prayer the way Jesus experienced it. And, and I'm pretty sure Jesus knew he was taken care of. So Jesus didn't spend time repeating prayers on, God, uh, will you provide for me today? Will you provide for me today? Will you provide for me today? And Jesus said, you want to know how to really pray? You want to know when you're freed up, not worrying, because you know that your, your, your heavenly Father is good and that he knows what you need before you ask, and he's taking care of you? When you know that, this is how you can go ahead and pray. And this is what he says in in. Matthew 7, so it's this progression. He goes on to say, ask and it will be given to you. Do you hear the invitation of God? Do you hear the expectation? He's saying, raise your expectation, ask, so that it will be given. It sounds like a promise there. I'm preaching now, okay? All right. Is that all right? Seek and you will find. He didn't say seek and you might find. Seek and you will find. 
Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Simple but troublesome in light of our experience sometimes. I'm not saying this is easy to receive, but what Jesus is saying here is pretty straightforward. But this is what he says, and this is what it all hinges on. He says, which of you, and this is sort of him explaining why what he just said is true, and why they can have confidence in it. He says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him. Does God have permission tonight to raise our expectations about what he wants to do in our lives? Good, I'm glad. Some of you, I'm not sure yet. Let me think about this one. All right, you think about it. I'm telling you, it's amazing. See, it's also a little scary, but it's amazing. And I believe that if the church, if we as the church get hold of this truth of what we have freely in God because of Jesus, we'll stop trying to earn it. We'll stop trying to work for it. We'll stop trying to posture ourselves, look holy enough, look pleasing enough to God. We'll stop trying to pretend in public that we know how to pray when we actually don't. And we'll let God in. I remember the first time that um, I took God up on his word in this regard. God showed me this picture, and I'll end with this, okay? Um, the end is in sight, the, the light at the end of the tunnel. Is, <laughs> you can, we can almost see it. Um, I... I I, um, we sponsor a compassion child. I might have shared this story with you guys. And I remember this one day, um, I got a letter in the mail for him. And I'd been really bad about writing him. Uh, I still am really bad about writing him confession. Where's my wife? Remind me, we need to write him. Okay. Um, so I got the, this letter in the mail from him. And it was the most expectant I had ever been for, for a letter from him. Um, Partly because for the first time, I really took time to, to think of some deeper questions to ask him and write some things down to him that I hadn't shared with him before and send him some pictures. And I was basically catching up for a lot of time. And, and, uh, and so I sent that to him. And so then I got this letter back. And I was so excited because I'm like, yes, you know, like we're going to, we've, uh, he's been our, our, our sponsored child for like six years. So finally, we're going to get a little bit deeper. You know, we're going to get past talking about, you know, what his favorite, um, you know, um, sport is and what his um, favorite part of school is. That was what I would get pretty much every time. So I go and open this letter, and and I read it, and um, he always draws an awesome picture. That's the best part of what he sends me. Um, But I I was sad because I read it, and it was like I was wondering, did he ever get my letter? Did he ever hear the questions that I asked him? You know, maybe I was just, um, I was actually expecting that I would have gotten a response to those things and that we would have actually gone a little bit deeper. But it was, uh, my favorite sport is this, and my favorite part of school is this. And it was like he was following a list that they probably gave to him. And God said, you know, this is 
how I feel. This is how I feel with my children all the time. Because I so long for them to know my heart. And I so long to ask them questions and for them to actually expect that I will speak to them. And for them to ask questions of me and to wait for the answer. And I just felt God's heart as a father just even sorrow. And so that night, that night in home group, I felt God say, you know, I want you to share this. And then I want you to actually take a step to raise the expectation in the room. And I want you to actually um, ask for me to speak in your midst. Not next week. <laughs> tonight. And so that night we did that. And I remember as I began to explain it and I was telling that group the story of that letter. I, I actually had the thought in my head because it had never occurred to me until that moment. I thought, oh crap. <laughs> Because I'm saying, God wants to show up and he wants to speak to you. He wants you to know him and not wait till next week, but tonight. And then I'm thinking, oh, crap, what if he doesn't? Boy, we're going to look really silly, starting with me. And so it was this moment of risk. And so it was too late, you know. (laughs) I hadn't realized it, but it was too late. And I was like, okay. And I'm I'm trying to stay confident in what I was saying was going to happen tonight. But I just put it out there. I'm like, okay. And it was beautiful. God showed up that night. And there was this, much like he's done tonight and many times since then, there was this um, weaving together things that he was speaking. And we actually, we took time to listen specifically for a girl in our church who was going to be headed to, uh, on missions to Africa and, and we all got these weird pictures and, and words and thoughts. And, and most of us thought in that moment, is this even godly? <laughs> I, had a, I had a picture of a, of a, um, of a crutch. <laughs> and I was just like, what the heck is that? <laughs> you know, it's just me and my imagination. But then we began to share those things. And we began to actually say, God, um, you know, I, I'm trusting that, that you're not going to give us... Uh, a snake when we asked for a fish. And we began to share those things. And then God began to actually put together one word from the things that we shared that night. And it was incredible. And we knew it was him. And we knew that it wasn't just our absurd imaginations. And that night God solidified something for me. That this is true. And this is what I so long for with my children. And I believe that God is stirring that up here. And maybe for some of you, never encounter that. And I want to I I say that God is wanting to raise that expectation tonight. And it comes on the basis of what he's done on your behalf. And now who you are in him because of Jesus. So I want to encourage you this week. I want to encourage you to just let God blow your expectations out of the water in terms of what he might say. And I want to encourage you to actually sit before him and to expect something from him. I love Psalm 139 because it says that David had this amazing picture of God and and God being so full of thoughts for him because he loved him so much. He says that your thoughts for me are more numerous than the sands on the seashore. That's a lot of thoughts. 
And it wasn't just because David was, you know, a king, but David was one after God's heart, and he knew who he was in God. So you had this revelation that, God, your love is this big. And out of that, speak. So I want to pray that tonight.